2021, will you think about me? I could wait a year, but I shouldn't wait three. Boy, I don't wanna be. Boy. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Hello and welcome to episode 98 of Section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing good, Mark. Thank you for asking. Jacob, how are you? Uh, I'm doing alright. It's been, you know, pretty quiet week in the baseball world, but, you know, it's been good week nonetheless. Yeah, it was quiet until about, I don't know, 12 hours ago, <laughs> 16 hours ago, until the Padres kind of just went crazy. Um, they traded for Blake Snell, and then they also traded for Yu Darvish, and they also signed a guy the Blue Jays were after, Ha Seong Kim, um, an infielder from uh, Korea. So it's been a crazy couple of days in the baseball world after we had, you know, weeks upon weeks upon weeks of absolutely nothing happening. Um, but maybe this is a good sign for things finally changing and things finally picking up in the free agent market, of course, as we trend towards spring training, even though the start date is uncertain. Um, let's start things off today with the guy I just mentioned, Ha Seong Kim. Um, as I said, the Padres signed him. Um, it looks like it's going to be I think a four-year deal, $25 million, which is a lot cheaper than we expected him to go for. Um, the Blue Jays were seen as favorites for Kim at one point in this rapidly progressing talks that we saw him have, but the Padres came up, they swooped him from underneath the Blue Jays, and they ended up signing him. Um, he's projected to be a really good player. Um, he's projected to be kind of 20, 25 home runs, hit for average, Um I'd say like a, a good player, not a star player, but a good player. He's 25, um, very controllable, very young. Um, he fit into the Blue Jays picture because he was an infielder, and of course the Blue Jays need infielders. But the thing that we've heard was the problem with him signing with the Blue Jays was the fact that he wanted, and his agent wanted, a clause in his contract where he wouldn't be sent down to the minors, um, guaranteed. Um, so he was guaranteed to stay in the majors, but the Blue Jays were unwilling to give him that clause. Apparently, I guess that's why he went to San Diego four years, $25 million. So I, I guess first thing, starting, do you guys think it's a, a mistake that the Blue Jays didn't give in and say, hey, yeah, sure, we won't send you to the minors. We really want you on this team. We value you on this team. Or do you think it's good that the Blue Jays maintained that flexibility, didn't give in to that contract demand? Yeah, I think honestly that's probably the big the the main reason why he didn't sign it. I honestly can't really blame the Blue Jays. Uh, it when you look at their infield right now, you know we've mentioned guys like Francisco Lindor and how crowded he would make the infield. Already the Blue Jays have a lot of infielders, and I don't necessarily think that they would want to uh, you know have a have a position player that they cannot move anywhere else. And that I think is probably the best thing. And I like what you said. You know they they've maintained flexibility, and it wouldn't really make sense to say you're staying on this team no matter what. Obviously, he's a good player, but again, you, you still want that flexibility. And I mean, the Blue Jays, like I said, they have a lot of infielders and they have a lot of guys that need to kind of earn their position. And if he was to be brought onto the team, he would need to earn, you know, a starting role or, you know, a utility guy. Baseball reference has him as a shortstop slash second baseman or slash third, slash third baseman. So he would need to, you know, he, he would need to earn a spot for the most part. But 
I could see the Blue Jays not wanting to have a guy that they have to keep on the roster, even if he doesn't play, you know, as much as the, as he or they would expect him to. So it, it's not really, uh, for for that reason, I, I'm not really kind of against the Blue Jays not wanting to say you're staying in the roster. Uh, if he was good, then, you know, obviously that's win-win for both sides, but it just to kind of say you are staying here no matter what is probably not the best option just because, you know, so many things could happen over the course of a season. And it's just, I, I don't really blame the Blue Jays. That. I think if they were to do that, I wouldn't necessarily, I, w- I wouldn't be against it because he is a good player. But at the same time, if I could avoid the situation, I would. So I'm not, not necessarily uh, against what they did there. Yeah, I'm not at all. Um, I'm glad that they kept their ground and stood their ground uh, for Kim. Uh, when you look at it from, uh, realistically, this is somebody who has only played in the KBO. And, um, you know, the fact that he was making a few demands where, I guess, a minor league clause was one that he didn't want. And that was pretty much the only thing that he didn't like from the Blue Jays' offer. I find that, um, you know, I just, it's not against, I just, it's not the Blue Jays' fault that he decided this. And I'm glad they st- stood their ground for someone who, quite frankly, has never played a major a game in the major leagues. But when you look at it, too, there is many other, or there's a few other pointers to why he chose the Padres, which I find very odd. And um, it says here, uh, from numerous reports, uh, it said that Kim preferred a move to Toronto, uh, but his family preferred a West Coast team. And the Blue Jays actually made numerous offers to Kim, but none included a no-minus clause like we've been talking about. And, um, yeah, he ended up choosing San Diego because he was guaranteed MLB baseball. So another factor was his family wanted him to be in the West Coast. So uh, it seems that his family was more involved than we think. And we see this with some athletes around the world of sports where their parents are more involved than others. And in this case, I'm sure uh, this is one of the reasons why. But, you know, for someone who wanted to guarantee or, you know, wanted a guaranteed MLB contract, there's nothing really... Um, for the the Jays to do about that, it just unfortunately it didn't meet their demands, and they didn't they weren't on the same page with that one, and um, yeah, it, there's just it's just a bit disappointing that they let um, this guy go, especially if he preferred to move to Toronto. I believe this is the player that Hunjin Ryu actually met with recently uh, at dinner. So you know things like that and factors that were be were uh, being played in behind the scenes are just a little bit disappointing with that front, and of course. Uh, the Padres. That was one of the many moves they've made the past couple of days. That they've been they've been busy uh, loading up for twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two. So um, you know I can't blame them there for wanting to play a, and have a guaranteed contract. And if the Padres offered that to him, while the Blue Jays didn't, then of course the right move for him was obviously to go there due to what he wanted. Even though he preferred to move to Toronto, and I'm glad that the Jays uh, didn't budge if they believe that he didn't deserve a guaranteed MLB contract, then um, uh, I trust what they their decision-making for that. And yeah, there's just, you know, it, it's very risky with players coming from the KBO just because you don't exactly know what you're going to get. A prime example is Shun Yamaguchi, who pretty much dominated the KBO um, a couple years ago. And then last year in the MLB, his first season in the MLB, he was pretty vulnerable at some points. And we know the opening day, or the opening weekend, I believe, when the Jays were in Tampa, he had a poor, poor, uh, poor appearance out of the bullpen, and it was a late game situation. Regardless of his role or anything like that, he just he struggled this year, uh, to say the least. And even before uh, spring training 2.0 and the original spring training, his numbers weren't the best either. So, 
just pretty much just saying that you know you you just it's a, it's a little bit of a risk for those points because you just don't know what you're going to get out of somebody from Korea who's never played against major league pitchers consistently. Uh, but yeah, uh, Kim is now in the MLB for the Padres, and I'm glad the Jays didn't budge on what they believe that he should have been worth. And for him, I guess the right choice when you look at it, if he really wanted that guaranteed MLB contract, was to go to the Padres. But um, I guess that's a free agent the Jays have officially missed out on now. And uh, there's still big names left on the market. Still not much has been going on other than the recent Padres deal trades. So uh, the Jays are still okay from where they are, I, th- I think, right now. I'm glad you brought up Shun Yamaguchi because this is something that I think is very relevant to Hasyong Kim. Um, if you look at Shun Yamaguchi's contract going back to when he first signed officially in January of 2020, um, Yamaguchi had a clause that he couldn't be sent to the minors, just like Kim was trying to negotiate. So this is an article from TSN, January 6, 2020. Um, It says, Yamaguchi cannot be sent to the minor leagues without his consent and is eligible for free agency when the contract ends. So at first, when I heard the news about Kim, I was thinking similar to you guys, like, yeah, the Blue Jays, they they want control over the contract. Like, I don't blame them for not wanting to, um, you know, give control over whether this guy can be sent to the minors or not um, to to force their hand in terms of making a decision on that. Because, of course, they are a front office that stresses flexibility. They're a front office that values the ability to make choices and move pieces. And we saw with someone like um, Lourdes Goriel Jr., even after he was established in the majors in 2019, he got sent down to the minors to work on stuff. So it could be kind of a similar situation with Haseon Kim if he signed with the Blue Jays. But they were willing to give this clause in a two-year contract to Shun Yamaguchi. So I don't really understand why they weren't willing to give this clause and provision to a guy like Haseon Kim, who by all accounts is a much bigger name than Shun Yamaguchi is. And yes, he may have his struggles, but honestly... They kept Shun Yamaguchi on the roster for the entire season. I think they could have done the same with Haseon Kim, especially if they're willing to give up that flexibility to a guy like Yamaguchi. So it's a little bit frustrating to see that, you know, he wanted to go to Toronto. The Blue Jays offered him a five-year or more deal. They were really invested in him, but this was a straw that broke the camel's back when we've already seen the Blue Jays do similar things in the past. So again, I understand where the Blue Jays are coming from and not wanting to give up that flexibility, but the fact that they've done it in the past to a player who is, by most accounts, worse, and of course he's a 32-year-old compared to Hassan Kim, who is 25, that's the part where it's a little bit confusing for me and frustrating, especially when the Blue Jays miss out on a great guy like this and we can watch the Padres go all out and all of us are jealous of the Padres right now. For sure they are, and um, yeah, the only way you can think about it from that perspective, I guess, is maybe the Jays learned, or maybe they just don't feel trustworthy of giving that guaranteed MLB contract anymore for those reasons, like you said, Mark, of Yamaguchi struggles, and of course, uh, he is definitely, I guess when you look at it, a lower caliber player, correct, and um, you know, that's why I think it's just more of like a fear factor, because of course, they're definitely not looking at it from that way, but again, um, if they are that confident that they wanted to give him a non-guaranteed MLB contract. Then, like I said, it's just uh, I'm glad they didn't budge. But it's just I think it's like I said, it goes back to the um, tricky factors in bringing somebody over from Korea. 
and the uncertainty that they bring over with them, of course, is the biggest factor there. But yeah, um, they learned from Yamaguchi last year where he struggled. And yeah, Kim on paper and for sure uh, projected to be a much better player, even though obviously they're different positions, but more of a, I guess, more of an impactful player to the lineup. And um, it, it is a little bit disappointing, though, when you think of it, just because, again, it's just somebody that they miss out on. And you just hope that this doesn't translate to other free agents uh, big market free agents, but who knows? And, you know, like I said, or sorry, who knows, but the winter meetings are done now. We're entering or getting closer to the new year and spring training or pitchers and catchers report is around the corner. So sooner rather than later, someone's going to have to sign. And um, I'm, I'm a bit surprised too, for that reason, just because of how slow it's still going. But I'm not totally surprised it was slow over Christmas. And as we get closer to January, as we are, I think that it's going to start picking up, especially with these recent trades that the Padres have been making. I just feel like this is, it just needed one thing to start to slowly get going. The James McCann signing kind of began to kick the tires. And now these two massive trades are going to have teams probably uh, looking to upgrade a little, a little bit more now since the Padres have been doing it. But uh, for Kim, he's going to go to a very good Padres team who uh, quite frankly has a very good future. And I think I, I was reading today something like the trades they made, uh, they were able to hold on to their top 10 prospects or something like that, or one of their top prospects, and to be able to maintain one of the best farm systems in the MLB. That's pretty impressive after trading for a former Cy Young winner, Blake Snell, and um, trading for a high-quality pitcher as well in Yu Darvish. So uh, I'm very surprised by that. If they can get by the Dodgers, I don't know exactly if they can still, but uh, a team making upgrades like that and, you know, from a Jays' perspective, a, a, a Jays' team where the front office has said multiple times that they're going to go out and be aggressive, and then you're seeing it from a different team, I guess a team in somewhat a similar situation who was rebuilding. Uh, they have young pieces, they have good pieces, and now they're starting to upgrade, and they not only have they said they would, they actually have gone out and gotten multiple pieces. So hopefully um, you know that follows in the Jays' direction soon, but uh, for the Kim signing, it, it is a bit disappointing, but... Uh, good luck to him, and who knows how he will perform in the MLB. I think it's funny that you mentioned uh, the the comparison between the Blue Jays and the Padres because I remember, you know, just before we got on here, uh, I was watching Sportsnet, and I'm looking through all these trades, and they had a whole segment on the Padres, and I was thinking, wow, like you know, I'm I'm kind of jealous of this. You know, you you look at how the last 24 hours have really gone for this team, and it's it, you know, it just. It, remi- it almost reminds me of the 2015 trade deadline, you know, where you're just like, we have, there's so many players that are now being brought to your team and you're expecting to be good. And it's just, it, it definitely is pr- a good time to be a Padres fan. And if, you know, if you're a Blue Jays fan, uh, you, you know, time is starting to run out. You know, you got to start if, if making trades, you know, making acquisitions, you know, especially with how uh, open management has been about wanting to, you know, acquire players. Uh, but I, I said this a couple weeks ago where, the Blue Jays, you know, they're not competing. Yes, they're competing against time, but they're also competing against 29 other teams who, you know, it, there's a lot of good teams that would be open and willing to acquire the players that they are also looking at. So, obviously, you know, with Christmas and you know, winter break, it's it's kind of a slower time for everything. But, you know, I, I honestly, I hope slash expect things from a Blue Jays perspective to kind of really start getting going, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe Francisco Lindor, George Springer, somebody is, somebody big that the Blue Jays have been uh, openly targeting, or somebody that we don't even know, you know, I expect somebody to at least be brought over to this team, you know, as, 
as the month of January rolls over and, you know, the, uh, as you know, things are starting to kind of prepare for the season, because like I said, you know, time is starting to run out and also, you know, the Blue Jays understand that, but the rest of the league does too. And eventually, you know, we're going to see all these players go anywhere. And, you know, I, I think we said this a couple of weeks ago where the Blue Jays, you know, because of being so open to acquiring good players, you know, if they don't do that, you know, even if it's the right move to not acquire a player, if they don't acquire somebody after saying they were going to, then it's kind of a bit of a letdown. So it'll be interesting. I think we we probably have a crazy month of January ahead of us, but, you know, I think the Blue Jays, you know, this, what the Padres are doing, I think is what all of the Blue Jays fans expected. And I think it, it definitely could be interesting if they do that. Yeah, I think that's another one of the things that frustrates me about the Blue Jays not getting Kim. It's just watching, having to watch the Padres do all this awesome stuff because like that's where you want the Blue Jays to be and honestly they're filling the exact needs that the Blue Jays have right now like they haven't got an outfielder yet but they've got two pitchers two all-star pitchers two practically Cy Young award pitchers of course you Darvish only coming in second this year but like they've got the pitchers they've got the infielder they're doing exactly what you want the Blue Jays to do and like yeah I trust the Blue Jays and I I am sure they're going to go out in the month of January or even in the month of February, depending on the market develops, and get a big name. But it's just, it, it's hard to watch the Padres do so much right now um, when it's exactly what you want the Blue Jays to do. But yeah, and another thing about this deal that I wish the Blue Jays had just included that um, guaranteed MLB um, or no minors clause is the fact that they could have got Kim and saved a lot and spent a lot of money towards a bigger name like George Springer. Like, for example, if they, let, let's say now, instead of signing Kim, they sign someone like Colton Wong. Colton Wong, I think, is probably going to come on a two- or three-year deal, maybe $30 million, maybe $25 million. So it's basically the same amount of money that you would be spending on Young Kim. The only thing is, you're getting a few, a, a couple years less than you would be getting of Kim. At the same time, if you had got Kim instead of spending on someone like Wong, you could have spent that additional money on someone like George Springer. So that's another thing that's frustrating me. It's that the Blue Jays could have gotten a bargain with Kim and spent that money and time and effort on someone like George Springer, on someone like Jake Odorizzi, on someone that, you know, the Blue Jays really want. So, um, that yeah, I'd say overall it's just... I guess it's not really the Blue Jays' decision here. It's just kind of the circumstances that surround it um, and the fact that we're seeing the Padres make all these moves when the Blue Jays are saying they're aggressive, but they aren't making these moves. I think that's the thing that frustrates me the most about this, but I know I have to you know, be patient, trust the process for the Blue Jays because ultimately I do think the front office knows what they're doing and they will get the big names. It's just annoying to see the Padres do it before Toronto. The next thing we wanted to talk about is just kind of take a step back and look at this entire year in review. Obviously, it's been a crazy year for the entire world, but the Blue Jays had, I think overall, if we're reflecting on it, a positive year. They've made a lot of progress in terms of getting towards their end goal of winning a World Series. They have set up the groundwork for a team very nicely. They made the postseason for the first time since 2016. Um... I think overall it was a very positive year for Toronto. I think moving forward now, if we're looking forward towards 2021, they obviously need 
to make those big moves. They need to make the jump, as we've seen the Padres do. But I think if you're just looking at 2020 and the progress they've made this year, it's been a very strong year for them. Um, It's been a very... I guess everything is going according to plan. There's nothing that's really falling apart. You don't have a lot of players kind of coming up to the majors, not panning out. You know, you could have had Alejandro Kirk come up to the majors and, you know, I don't know, strike out every game, not do well. But instead, he comes up to the majors, he's raking. You have other guys coming up to the majors and performing as you expect them to. Bo Bichette becoming a bonafide star in the majors. So I think everything is going according to plan for the Blue Jays. And because of that, we can look back at 2020 and reflect that it was a very good season for Toronto. Yeah, I think honestly, overall, this was a very good year for the Blue Jays. And like you said, Mark, it's, it's the team has gone according to plan. And when I look back on it, you know, th- this is typically how rebuilds go. You know, you the Blue Jays have passed the uh, the tanking and the getting rid of your older roster. Now you, you have your like you said, the groundwork for potentially the next dynasty. And I've been saying that for a while. I think the Blue Jays have a shot, uh, a chance at being extremely good in the coming years. But, you know, right now it's basically just kind of see what you have, develop these players into those stars that you expect them to. And it's, it's, it's working. You know, they went, you know, if you want to look at it from an objective uh, standpoint, they went from a sub 500 team to a playoff team, which obviously we should mention there are a lot of factors that went into that obviously uh the playoffs was expanded to actually more than half the league making the playoffs uh and there was only a 60 game season so you know the blue jays had a really good month of august and then they you know they made the playoffs but overall i think it was a very good year all things considered uh you know we did see the we saw guys like Jin ryu he obviously dominated teoscar hernandez i think really took a step forward in his in his development i thought rowdy telez was pretty good for a lot of the year uh, like you mentioned, Bo Bichette, I think he's really starting to, uh, he, he's really starting to look like the, you know, the best player on this team. And I think he definitely, he, he has a shot at doing that. I think he's, he's looked very good so far. Uh, front office, I think they've, they see that. They see that this team is going to be good and they want to build on that. Obviously, in terms of the 12 months of 2020, they haven't necessarily done too much after the season, but I think, in terms of the 2020-21 offseason, they probably will do something. Uh, but overall, it was a good year. I think looking forward, the team does need to be better. Uh, and when I say better, I just mean they just they have to do what we expect them to do. And obviously, the, the next level in their development is to be a better team. You know, as these players have more, uh, they have more major league experience. We see guys like Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, he's been working out all summer or all winter on... And he's been posting about it on social media, and we can really see that he's putting in a lot of work. You know, he wants to be better. Uh, I think it's overall going to be a good next couple of years for the Blue Jays. And, you know, obviously, what we've heard about the expanded playoffs, this year it was 16 teams. However, I think Rob Manfred has said he wants about 14 or something like that. He doesn't want 16 because he thinks that's too much. And I... To be completely honest, I don't think it's too much, but a lot of people do think it is. So, you know, fair enough. So the Blue Jays are going to have to be better. You know, they can't be, I think this year they were four games over 500 in a 60 game season. So, you know, they're going to be, they're going to need to be a lot more than four games over for, you know, however many games they want to play. I think they want to start in May. So maybe about a hundred games or, you know, whatever it is, they're going to need to be, they're going to need to improve the way we expect them to. But I think overall, in terms of this year, this was a very good year for them. Uh, a lot of guys, like I said, they've have started to really shine. They've they've started to do what we've 
hoped they would do. Yeah, overall, I think it's the Blue Jays are almost ready to start contending for a World Series. You know, they are right now they were a good team. You know, uh, they are a good team, and I think in the future they will be a better team. Uh, they have, like I said, they have things that they need to improve upon, but overall it was a very good year. I can't necessarily complain. Uh, you know, we've had to trust this long process that Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins have been, uh, that they have been making us sit through, but I think it's, it's definitely going to pay off soon and they are looking like they're going to be a very good team soon. Yeah. Uh, 2020 to, well, first of all, everyone knows how bad of a year it was, I guess, globally, but uh, for the Blue Jays as a baseball team, you could um, disagree in terms of how much of a step forward it was. And all the points Jacob said about the, I guess, the all of a sudden overwhelming performance that they had, uh, pretty much something that none of us really predicted. Mark, you and I were right against this one from day one about them making the playoffs. So we know how much they exceeded our expectations. And of course, Jacob, I'll give you credit again. You were the lone man who did predict from the start of the season that the Jays would get in as a playoff team. And all the factors that you mentioned, I even look at it from beforehand, just the factors leading up to it. And I have a few notes down here even that goes back even before um, the original spring training. And it pretty much started for me with the Hunjin Ryu signing. Um it was recently the one-year anniversary of his official signing or his official press conference um, when he was introduced at Rogers Center alongside his super agent, Scott Boris, which was cool. And, um, you know, other than that, of course, you're heading into the season. There's the new blue. I, I took that down because of how wicked those uniforms are. And uh, we saw them a lot this year. And, of course, just before uh, spring training started, the late Tony Fernandez passed away, and they started. they played this season with number one, the number one uh, patch on their sleeves. And of course, the season shutting down, the labor disputes, um, the Blue Jays draft, though, they did dress, draft successfully. And it was kind of weird seeing the draft happen without baseball being played. So that was one thing that I really took that was really awkward. But again, they got Austin Martin as somebody who was arguably one of the most, or the most talented player in the draft. So they ended up landing Austin Martin. Um, the 60-game season was then implemented, of course, and we all know the story that they had or the fiasco they had beforehand of not knowing where they're going to play. And we've mentioned this before, and we will say it again, is that the factors that they had, not knowing where they're going to play, and the fact that they continue to be together as a team and to play good, uh, I find that really remarkable. I, I still can't believe how they did it for the fact that they were living out of a suitcase for at least a, a couple of weeks and playing home games at away stadiums, uh, being kicked out of Toronto, being kicked out of Pittsburgh, uh, likely going to get kicked out of Baltimore, and then they ended up going to their trip, AAA park in Buffalo, and that is why it makes it special for me, of course, and for everybody else. We saw Nate Pearson play this year. He had ups and downs. He was injured, but uh, we had glimpses of what he will be in the future, and he's going to be uh, a, an important piece this year heading into 2021 as he's likely going to be in this opening day or sorry, the starting rotation. And of course, they, they made the the Jays return to the playoffs for the first time since 2016, so that was really cool, even though it didn't last long uh, in Tampa against the Rays in the wild card series, something that was new. Um, it just, it, it's a sign of brighter things to come. And for a team that, you know, proved to fans that they do have a good future, that they can return to their winning ways, it just gets, us, it gets me very excited for, uh, what they have in store is we hopefully enter a, a full season uh, next year. And of course, like I said, we are close to the end of 2020, which is going to be exciting because we are 
just under two months then from pitchers and catchers report and games starting um, around March. Hopefully, like I said, we don't know what's going to happen between the union and um, the owners, but uh, just it was a crazy year to think about. It started off on a good note, uh, then spring training got shut down, and then it was a little bit of a rough patch from there, but then once the season started, uh, the Jays took over and pretty much brought us to it. It was a good distraction for about three hours a day uh, during uh, crazy times around the world. And like I said, or sorry, uh, around the world, and they returned to the playoffs, and it was very exciting to see. And um, 2021 hopefully is a much better year for everybody, and hopefully for the Blue Jays as well, as they have the potential to be even better than they were in 2020. So those were just some a few notes that I had even uh, entering the 2020 season that I took down as a year in review. Mm-hmm. And I think like even just disregarding everything you know, on a broader scale, just personally, like this is, I think the most engaged I've been watching the Blue Jay games and just baseball in general for quite a while. I think probably the last time I was this engaged is 2016. And I don't think that's because of just the quality of the team, but I think it's kind of the environment around the team, the optimism we have for the future and the fact that, you know, we only had 60 games. So it felt like everything was very important and you couldn't miss a moment but I think this season as weird as it was and as short as it was and everything else that was going on in the world um I I think it kind of reinvigorated um how much I was paying attention to the Blue Jays uh, my passion in it because I think before it was kind of just like well this is happening again it's another season but now there's an excitement around the team and there's something happening so I think in that regard, it has been very fulfilling to watch the Blue Jays this year, and it makes you very excited to go forward into 2021 and beyond to see what the Blue Jays can do. And um, like I said, everything is going according to plan, and it's been amazing to watch the Blue Jays this year, and it's been a whole lot of fun despite everything that we've seen happen over the course of the year. Um, and on a more personal note in with this podcast, it's been a very successful year for this podcast. So we can talk maybe a little bit more about this towards the end, but, um, thank you to everyone who's listened and thank you to, um, Bryson and Jacob for joining me in this. It's been a lot of fun to do a podcast consistently throughout the year, but, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun and and looking forward to another successful year in 2021. Yeah, honestly, it's, it's been a crazy year. It's been, it's been fun coming on every, every week. And, you know, especially, you know, with the Blue Jays playing so well, you know, it's fun to, you know, always be talking about them. And even even when they're not playing well uh, over the last couple of years, I think we've been doing this since 2017. And I think they were 2017, 18 and 19, you know, they weren't overly good, but it was still, you know, it's still good to to watch and to, to talk about it. But I like what you said, Mark, about how this has been the most engaged you've been. And I honestly, I've thought about that pretty much all year. And it really has been like that for me too. You know, the way... Uh, the, the way sports is it's kind of it's weird because like I get way too into the games even when they're losing you know so I'll end up you know screaming and you know disrupting my neighbors just because I'm way too into the game and honestly I don't know why this has stuck out to me so much but I think it was the second game of the season second or third game it was the one where Ken Giles uh unfortunately got injured and the Blue Jays ended up losing in extra innings I remember for, for like the last half an hour of the game I think I was literally like running around my house like I, I was I was way too into it to the point where I, I, admittedly I had to take a nap after because I was you know way too uh way too active in my 
cheering and then anger at at the fact that they lost. But you know, it really, it has been fun. You know, it, it every day. You know, and just saying, you know, when's the when's the game on? You know, are they, you know, are they going to win? Are they going to clinch today? Or you know, even even though they did lose, uh, or they got swept really in the playoffs, and it was still fun to, you know, to watch. And it's just been a great year overall. And you know, I think this is definitely a good sign of things to come. I mean, as as a fan of uh, both the Leafs and the Raptors, uh, teams that have made the playoffs consistently over the last five to six years, at least the Raptors have, I mean, limited success for both teams, unfortunately. But it's still fun to watch a good team, uh, even more fun, you know, when they're winning. And it's just, it's been a, it's been a great year watching them. Yeah, the way I took it from this year as well is I just, to learn, I guess, throughout this entire year just to learn not to take everything for granted and I guess in this case even I guess baseball because we got to see a shortened season yes but it just wasn't something that we were used to and something that we've never seen before and then that's pretty much when I learned not to take it for granted of course just because of how much I ended up missing the game and I'm sure you guys can agree with me on that one all the weeks that we were talking about labor disputes um with the one day where we had a an emergency pod or we recorded when we weren't supposed to because of the threat by the commissioner to shut down the season it just it was there were some pretty rough times during those few months um of the pause so that's the one thing i take away from it as well and even to the podcast itself it's been it's been a great year for us um for the first time ever i think we recorded consistently and that's something that we were really never doing beforehand and i guess this year as well for the first time on this podcast where the team was competitive just because we weren't recording uh, in those two years in 2015 and 16. But uh, 17 is when we did start and that's when the fa- the fall off kind of began as well. So that was another thing. It was exciting to talk about a competitive team for the first time on this podcast. And um, like I or sorry, competitive team. And uh, we were recording consistently, which, which I liked a lot. And heading into 2021, I hope we do the exact same thing and it'd be even more um, enjoyable if we talked about it for 162 games. So that's the one thing I'm hoping I got my fingers crossed for, and I'm sure you guys do too. So yeah, that's the one thing. And um, yeah, it's just been fun for the listeners. Thank you very much. And hopefully we get more and more as we head into next season. So I'm just, it's exciting, it's exciting times for sure. So just all we need now is a George Springer signing or something like that to happen. Gives us more to talk about as we head into um, the spring. So I put together a few uh, scenarios, um, and Mark, me, me, you and I have played this, Jacob, I think you were absent the week we did this, so I just pretty much, I give you a scenario, and you have four options you have, so I, I give you something, and you, get, you, say un, you say unlikely, possible, likely, or certain, something like that, certain or very possible, whatever you want to say it, you guys get the idea. So uh, I'll start off with a, I'll go right at it, just because of the recent move by the Tampa Bay Rays. And my question for you guys is, will the Blue Jays... No, sorry. The scenario is, the Blue Jays will be better than the Rays in 2021. Oh, shoot. That's a... That's a, that's a tough one. I'm going to say that's likely, but I'm kind of hesitant towards that because I think the Blue Jays will be very good this year. Uh, but, you know, obviously losing a guy like Blake Snell, you know, your ace is, is tough. But... I don't. I. I. I think Tampa Bay is a good team, and obviously with Kevin Cash, you know they are a very, they're a, a unique team to say the least. You know they obviously are very skilled, but they're also very analytical, and I mean obviously that might have arguably cost them a World Series with taking Blake Snell out early. But I think they're a good team. I think the Blue Jays will be very good. I'm gonna say, yeah, like I said, likely, but I think 
in order for that to happen, the Blue Jays are going to have to take a really big step forward in their progression, which I don't think is necessarily unlikely. It's just, I think it's more of, you know, how, how good are the Blue Jays able to become within uh, the next, or going forward into the season. I'm going to say possible. I don't think it's likely. I think the most likely scenario is that the Rays are still better than the Blue Jays, but I can definitely see a situation where, you know, the Blue Jays are signing George Springer. They maybe got, get a guy like Colton Wong. They maybe get Jake Odorizzi, and then you see the Rays. Of course, they're dumping Snell. Maybe they, you know, drop another guy or two. You can tell they're kind of... I I, I, I want to say taking a step back, but I'm also worried of saying that the Rays are taking a step back because they always seem to make do with what they have and be incredibly competitive anyways. So I'm going to say possible, but I think the most likely scenario is that the Rays are still better than the Blue Jays. Yeah, I agree with you, Mark. I'm going to say possible for that reason. And the one thing too for the Rays is they have a good history with trades. And the one trade that I take away the most is the trade that they had with the Pirates, the Chris Archer, where they ended up getting Austin Meadows and uh, Tyler Glasnow, and that trade ended up being a completely lopsided win for the Rays. And I don't even believe Archer's with the Pirates anymore. I believe he was released or he was non-tendered or something like that. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. But either way, Archer also wasn't pitching the greatest as well when he went to the Pirates. So that was a pretty good win for the Rays. And they're pitching even without Blake Snell. First of all, I, I don't know how you trade a Cy Young Award winner. And, of course, it just it's funny too and ironic just because of the, what happened there in um, the World Series of how he was he was pulled from the game. So I guess it wasn't a very good ending to his tenure with the Rays, but I still think the Rays have a good team on paper. And when I look at the Blue Jays lineup right now, uh, I'm not worried. Ex- I'm not too worried about the lineup, but the pitching is a bit of a concern right now. But uh, that also is a, a reason that they will go out and hopefully sign a few people. Uh, their projected rotation as of now is Ryu, Ray, Stripling, Pearson, Roark. So those are the five right now. And then, of course, you have players like Trent Thornton, who are he's recovering from elbow surgery or arm surgery, so he's going to be back in the um, he'll be back in the fold uh, soon. So, and then of course, there's other players within the organization like Anthony Kay, Barucky. It's just for me, it's not strong enough yet. Um, if that changes, it's possible. Who knows what the rest of the offseason looks like from them? And of course, the bullpen is also a little bit of a weakness right now. As Jordan Romano, I would say, is probably the projected closer. And if not, it'd be uh, Rafael Dallas. And of course, uh, you you have Thomas Hatch, Yamaguchi. Um, and it's just not the strongest when you look at it in terms of depth. But of course, Ju- Julian Mer- Merriweather is another one who had good flashes of um, appearances when he was coming out of the bullpen as an opener. It's just they're still missing a few pieces, I think, on the pitching. But the lineup itself, I'm not too worried about, which is why I still give the Rays the edge right now. Um, but a few signings here and there, maybe a George Springer signing could possibly change my mind. And then that goes to my second question. Um, I think I know what you guys are going to say on this, but I'm just going to double check with you. So I won't mention Lindor because that's a trade. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about free agents and I will say, here's the scenario, either George Springer or DJ LeMahieu, just not both of them, just one out of those two are signed by the Blue Jays. I'll start this one off. I'll say likely because, I mean, I I guess I am scared. I think the most likely scenario for them individually is that DJ LeMahieu signs with the Yankees and that George Springer signs with the Mets. But when you put the question together that the Blue Jays will sign either of them, I feel like it's likely that they sign one of them. Like, I, I think at the point when one of them gets off the board, 
then whether it's Springer, whether it's LeMayhew, the Blue Jays will say, okay, we need to invest. We need to get LeMayhew. We need to get Springer. So I, I can see a scenario that even though the Blue Jays aren't favorites for either one, I think it's likely that they'll get one of them. Um, whether they have to overpay or not, I think it's likely they'll get one of them. Yeah, exactly. I think it's likely that they get one. Uh, I think they're going to be very, uh, they're going to heavily pursue maybe both of them, but only end up with one of them uh, or heavily pursue one of them and not so much the other. But I think, you know, as we've said in the past and as the Blue Jays have openly said, you know, they're aggressive. They want to acquire a star player. And honestly, obviously with free agents, you have to pay them, you know, but it's not like you're giving up a player. So, I mean, you, you, you can overpay and, you know, obviously you don't really necessarily want to overpay, but I think the Blue Jays, in their minds, they have the money. So they're going to say, you know, come to this team, you know, instead of, you know, the Mets or the Yankees or, you know, whoever else. But I think, yeah, it's definitely likely that they pursue one of them uh, and end up getting them. I think even if personally, I don't think one of them is the right fit for the Blue Jays, I still think they will uh, make an effort to get one of them. Yeah, um, I'm. I'm not gonna lie to you guys. I'm on the complete opposite end. I'm gonna say unlikely. I just. I'm not optimistic at all. Uh, after just the Steve Cohen purchase of the Mets and what we've been hearing or seeing on Twitter and other reports, I just. I'm not too confident with George Springer now. Uh, and DJ Lemayhew, I just think that's almost as one percent. I think he goes back to the Yankees. I agree with bo- uh, both of you on that one. And I think the only scenario in which that works out is yes, if George Springer comes here. And, you know, you can make a case for possible as well after hearing what you guys had to say. I'm just, I'm not overly optimistic for some reason. I'm just, I'm very freaked out about the Mets. And I just, I haven't been hearing enough for me to believe otherwise, other than George Springer's, you know, considering playing here, which is good news for sure. And I just, I, I just think there's too much, too many questions if he would, if, if he's going to come here. And, you know, there's problems already with bringing people here, of course, via free agency there's the uncertainty of where the Jays would play in 2021. But the only way this works out, I, I agree with you both, is if George Springer comes here. So it's not out of the question. I'm just not overly optimistic. But uh, that could obviously change, and hopefully I'm wrong. I want it, I, th- In this case, I want to be completely wrong. So I'm hoping uh, that it works out very good. But, I don't know. I think, um, I, I think if I had to pick the most likely scenario in this case, I would say George Springer signs with the Mets. And then DJ LeMahieu, the Blue Jays managed to steal him from the Yankees. Because I don't know, I just have this feeling about his situation with the Yankees. He's obviously not happy with what they're offering him. They're still, last we heard, they're $25 million apart in negotiations. I think the Blue Jays could offer him that extra year. They splurge a little bit, especially after they see Springer going to the Mets and they kind of get, you know, cold feet. They're a little bit scared about missing out on all these big names. I can definitely see them offering DJ LeMahieu that extra year. I just, I have a feeling about it. Who knows if I'm right, but I, I just have a hunch. Yeah, um, for that too, it just, I can I can see that. I just, yeah, there's there's that little bit of a gut feeling that you have just because for that reason, they're 25 million. That's not exactly close. Like they're pretty far apart in what they're both asking for. And we know what players on the Blue Jays or at least Bo Bichette thinks of him as when Bo Bichette originally said on the record that he believes he's the best hitter in baseball and he, he has a point. After what we've seen from DJ LeMahieu, especially the past couple of years, as he's been in the AL East, so that that I guess that is the only way this happens. Obviously, you're not going to outbid the Yankees. It just comes to the 
matter of fact of how much more you're willing to give rather than the Yankees. And if they're that serious about him, and then maybe a situation where George Springer goes to the Mets and then the Jays, um, I guess, panic and then, not even panic, they just realize that they need to do something and they maybe they get even more aggressive um, you know, without going too aggressive, if that makes sense. It just that, that that definitely is possible. I just I just feel like he's gonna end up going back. I just feel as as well as maybe he wants to be there for sure. Like he's got no other than the money, um, you know, where he slots in the lineup, the team, he's got no reason to leave. So again, that lots of that can change um, when we head into or as again as we head into the spring. So that's one. And then another question about the free agency. Uh, I believe it's the last one before I get to the roster, is that Danny Jansen and Alejandro Kirk are the starter or no, sorry, are the catchers on the opening day roster. Oh, I think that's certain. I think that's pretty much guaranteed. I well, I guess there is a situation where the Blue Jays signed JT Real Muto, but I don't see that happening. Honestly, I think that was just a blip in the radar. Not gonna happen. I see it as pretty much certain that it's Danny Jansen, Alejandro Kirk, and then Reese McGuire. Either they carry a third catcher on the roster, but I think odds are that Reese McGuire is in AAA and you have Jansen and uh, Alejandro Kirk starting. Um, Or maybe not starting, maybe Jansen gets most of the starts behind the plate. Alejandro Kirk um, is supplementing him, you know, a couple days off here and there. Um, But I definitely think those two are the guys that are going to be on the roster. Yeah, exactly. I'm same boat as you guys. It's uh, it's pretty certain in my opinion. Uh, I don't think that Reese McGuire w- will be with the team. I don't think the Blue Jays want to have a third catcher, uh, just because they probably want the flexibility of you know giving that spot to somebody else. And also, you know, we know Danny Jansen's going to catch at least all the time. He's going to he's going to catch Ryu. Uh, I think he will be the starter, and then. After what we saw with Alejandro Kirk at the end of uh, 2020, I think it's his spot to lose at this point. You know, he he's lucky or not lucky, but the the opportunity that was given to him is very fortunate. You know, he he came into a situation where the the backup catcher was severely struggling, and he came in and stole the show. It would be interesting to see if they want to split the time. You know, I like I said, I think Jansen will always catch Ryu, and might be the start. If it was me, I'd have him the starter, and then if uh, Alejandro Kirk ends up, you know, continuing to tear it up, then you, know, you split the time between them. But overall, I think, you know, Danny Jansen's a very good uh, defensive catcher. His offense is unfortunately still struggling, but he's, you know, he's getting better. Whereas with Alejandro Kirk, he just tore it up completely. You know, he's not even a terrible catcher. He's just, he's, you know, he's very good offensively. So it's kind of like you have two different catchers that can do two different things. So, you know, who knows? Maybe uh, I remember, I think it was 2016, where R.A. Dickey was still with the Blue Jays, and Russell Martin was not catching him anymore. He did it in 2015, but they didn't want him doing it that year. Uh, But, you know, some starts where Dickey was starting, they would have Martin as the DH just because he was was doing so well, and I think it was August of that year. So, you know, who knows? Maybe we see something like that. You know, if if Danny Jansen's catching, uh, you know, you have maybe Kirk DHing, although I I will say that's probably a little bit unlikely just because the last thing you want is your, your catcher as your DH getting injured and then you're in trouble. So that's probably unlikely, but overall it'll be Jansen and uh, Kirk, you know, those two, like I said, they're the best options for the Blue Jays and, you know, they're good options objectively, you know, subjectively for the Blue Jays, they're good. But in terms of, you know, just these are the options. I I honestly feel confident in those two. And I think they'll do a good job this year. 
Yeah, um, I left it open. I, just, I guess what the point I was getting at, and Mark, you caught on to it too, was the JT Rio Muto uh, sweepstakes. And just, I don't, again, we, we, we spoke about this. And we don't, it's hard to say how interested they really are in him and if they really need to upgrade at the catching position. So I'll say likely, I'll leave the door open a, a slight bit for that to happen. And, you know, after the Mets decided, I guess they chose James McCann over JT. Um, it comes down to the Blue Jays, uh, possibly JT going back to the Phillies. I'm sure there's other teams that have emerged or will emerge that we just don't know too much about quite yet in terms of him returning or him signing elsewhere. Uh, but for those reasons, for the Mets outbidding or out, sorry, for the Mets choosing James McCann, I think that leaves the door open a slight bit. But I wouldn't be in any urgent. There, there shouldn't be any urgency to. Sign him unless you're 100% confident for those reasons that you have Danny Jansen who Hunjin Ryu likes to pitch to and you have Alejandro Kirk who impressed uh, when he debuted in September off the off you know with his bat and of course he was DHing playoff games and um, yeah I was talking about just those two catchers on the opening day roster I'm sure they you know who knows if they're going to do a taxi squad uh, like they did last year I guess that's possible. Um, it just we don't know the complete logistics yet of the 2021 season, but either way, if it's not, if there's a taxi squad, it won't. It'll be somebody like you said of Reese McGuire, um, or somebody else like that. So that's the one thing. And then the next one is Diesel Truck Tanner Roark is on the team past, I'll say, July 1st. I'm gonna say likely for that one. I. Don't think the Blue Jays want him, but I don't think they can get rid of him him anywhere. I don't think wow. anyone else wants him either. I think he's a guy they're either going to have to release or just keep on the roster and, you know, grin and bear through it, which I think they're ultimately going to do. Uh, I don't think there's any way to get rid of him now except for release him, and I don't see them releasing him. So I'm going to say likely. I, I Like I said, I think there's a possibility maybe they dump him to a different team. They eat a lot of his contract, trade him. Maybe even, depending on the first few months go, they release him. But I think the most likely scenario is that they just keep him on the roster and try to get through it despite him. Yeah, I'm going to say the same thing. It's likely. Uh, when you look at how much he's owed, $12 million next year, you know, that's a good amount of money. You know, I don't think the Blue Jays want to... I don't, I don't necessarily think that they want to, you know, eat that contract and have him, you know, not play. You know, either if it's uh, on a different team or if they release him or something. I think... If you're going to be paying twelve million dollars for a guy, I think they're going to want to use him. You know, hopefully, I mean, obviously, if he's if he's really struggling, then kind of hard to argue with with what I just said. You, you kind of you don't play a guy that's struggling, especially who knows? Maybe the Blue Jays are in a very competitive division. Well, they are in a competitive division, but maybe it's a very uh, it's a tight playoff race for the whole season. The last thing you want to do is you know throw a guy out there that unfortunately takes a very long time to warm up. You know, that's you know that, that's not really how baseball works. You got to be good right out the gate but overall I think it is likely you know the most likely scenario where they get rid of him is probably you know a trade or a release but even a trade you know unfortunately his numbers weren't good enough to even from an outsider's perspective they weren't necessarily good enough to to justify bringing him onto your team but overall I mean like you said Mark you know they're just gonna you know they'll get through it I mean I think this is the last year of his contract so they're just gonna you know if it works out for them, you know, it, as him playing, you know, it works out. But overall, I, I don't really think that they're going to try and move him. Or, or, or I mean, maybe they try, but it's. It, I think it would be hard to find, you know, a potential 
uh, buyer for him. Yeah, this is a this is a tough one too. I just I think it's more likely he's gone by then, which is why I'll say possible. Um, just for those reasons alone, even going back to the last year, he didn't pitch in the playoffs. He didn't pitch down the stretch. Um, and when he did pitch, I guess in early September and mid September, he just wasn't good enough. And he was it, every time he pitched, uh, most of the time the Jays lost. And all due respect to him, he hasn't been pitching good in his time with the Blue Jays so far. And whether or not he is on the team by July 1st or past July 1st, um, it, it obviously will depend. But if he underperforms um, and puts up similar numbers to last year, I think he's gone. And regardless if it's a signing, like you said, or like we've mentioned, Jake Odorizzi, a pitcher like that, or other pitchers are still on the market, you could still potentially bring somebody in. And, and then if that is that's the case, who knows what the projected opening day rotation looks like from that. And if he's on, if he starts the season in the opening day rotation, or sorry, on the starting rotation, um, there's other pieces within the organization that they could possibly look to, like Anthony Kay or Ryan Baraki. Um, but I just think, if especially if they're competing, I just it doesn't sit well with me if he's going to be pitching and pitching like he did in 2020. But I guess there's a chance he does um, pitch better. You have to give him that sort of chance. You can't rule that out. And if they got rid of him, I just, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys. I don't think they trade him. I think that money, I think it's dead money. If they get rid of him, it'll be a DFA or a release. And um, I guess it goes from there. But that's just one question I have due to the uncertainty of the rotation and I guess the pitching all around. But um, yeah, if we, if that's pretty much it, unless you want to do a couple more. But I, I believe that's it from my end. So Well, we'll have to check back in, see whether our predictions come true. And maybe we'll do a, incredibly early record prediction um maybe next episode or a couple episodes before the season starts before string training starts just so we can see where our heads are at um uh, in terms of how the blue jays will perform in 2021 which i think we're all fairly optimistic about it but we'll see what happens uh but i think that wraps up our podcast for today and our podcast for the entirety of 2020 so thank you very much for to everyone who's listened and stuck through it, um, through labor disputes, through pandemics, through postseasons, through being swept in the postseason. Thanks to everyone who has listened and for an incredible year. And we'll be back hopefully next week. Maybe we'll see what the news brings us and how things are going. But thank you again. And as always, you can rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts. It really just helps spread the word about what we're doing here. And you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter to stay up to date with everything we're doing and every episode we post and some um, fun things that we do, whether it's a mailbag or something else. So again, thank you very, very much for tuning in for this entire year. And we'll catch you next week, or I guess, as some people like to say, next year. Oh